This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Taiwan accused China of conducting exercises simulating an invasion of the island on the third day of its most provocative military drills in decades. China had previously fired missiles over Taipei, the island's capital, and sent warships across the Taiwan Strait's median line. Talks with America on several topics were halted following the visit of Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of America's House of Representatives, to Taiwan on Tuesday. Indiana became the first state to pass a law restricting abortion since the Supreme Court rescinded Americans' constitutional right to the practice in June. The near-total ban will allow termination only in cases of rape or incest, to protect the mother's health, or if the fetus has a fatal abnormality. It will go into effect from September 15th. Israeli airstrikes on the Gaza Strip continued in the early hours of Saturday morning, while militants fired rockets towards Israel in response. An Israeli attack hours earlier had reportedly killed at least 10 people, including a commander of Palestinian Islamic Jihad, a militant group, and a young girl. The fighting followed rising tension after the arrest of a PIJ member in the occupied West Bank. America's job growth was unexpectedly strong in July, according to figures from the Labor Department. Employers added 528,000 jobs, taking the level of employment above its pre-pandemic level and assuaging fears that the economy was falling into a recession. The news could give the Federal Reserve more reason to raise interest rates further in its campaign to slow inflation. Health officials in Britain said there were early signs that the spread of monkeypox was slowing. The country has some 2,900 confirmed cases of the virus, which is similar to smallpox but less fatal. The announcement comes a day after America declared its own monkeypox outbreak a public health emergency following a similar move by the World Health Organization. A jury in Texas decided that Alex Jones, a conspiracy theorist, must pay $45.2 million in punitive damages to the parents of a six-year-old boy killed in the Sandy Hook school shooting in 2012. Mr. Jones had already been ordered to pay $4.1 million in compensatory damages to the plaintiffs for having pressed the idea that the tragedy was a hoax and that the parents and children were crisis actors. He faces several more trials next month, including one in Connecticut where the shooting occurred. Indonesia's GDP growth in the second quarter beat expectations, rising 5.4% from a year earlier. Southeast Asia's largest economy was bolstered by its exports, propped up by high global commodity prices, as well as resurgent consumption. And word of the week, ganbei, a Chinese term meaning drink up. The word is often used when people try to bring up life under China's COVID-19 lockdowns, according to one psychologist. And now... Here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Republican sentiment grows in Jamaica. The former British colony's celebration on Saturday of 60 years of independence will be bittersweet. Many Jamaicans had hoped that by now their country would not only be independent, but might also have removed Britain's Queen Elizabeth II as its head of state. Republican sentiment has been growing across the Caribbean, where nine of 13 sovereign island states were once ruled by Britain. 
Other islands remain overseas dependencies. Last year, Barbados shed the British monarchy. Jamaica's government has set out a plan to do the same by 2025. But removing the monarch requires the assent of two-thirds of lawmakers in the lower house and senate and of citizens in a referendum. That is a tall order, and many Jamaicans see debates about the head of state as of little importance compared with improving the economy and reducing sky-high levels of violence. Addressing those may prove even harder. Twin Town, USA in 1823, the Ohio settlement of Millsville was rechristened Twinsburg in honor of Moses and Aaron Wilcox, identical brothers who donated land and money to the town on the condition it was named after them. In 1976, the town invited twins to visit, capitalizing on the name. Now a three-day festival held this weekend, Twins Days is the largest gathering of the multiple birthed in the world. Although the festivities are aimed towards twins, triplets, and quads, singletons are welcome too. One highlight is the double-take parade. This year's theme is Welcome to the Jungle. So expect rainforest creatures coming two by two. Twins make great lab rats too. So amid the look-alike contests, siblings in Twinsburg undergo scientific testing. Identical pairs are used to examine the relationship between genes and environment. One study will look at whether taste is genetically determined. Another takes biometric samples to improve facial recognition technology, identity mix-ups being an issue many twins know only too well. Sino-American Rivalry in the South Pacific Eighty years after Allied forces landed in the Solomon Islands to confront Japan's army, a senior American diplomat will visit the Oceanic country in a bid to combat expanding Chinese influence in the Pacific. This weekend, Wendy Sherman, the Deputy Secretary of State, will commemorate the anniversary of the Battle of Guadalcanal and meet Solomon Islands officials, including the Prime Minister, Manasseh Sogavari. Mr. Sogavari alarmed America and its allies in April by signing a security pact with China, allowing it to send security forces and naval ships to the Solomons. Critics fear that could lead to a Chinese military base. China and the Solomon Islands say they have no such plans, but America and its regional allies, especially Australia, have nonetheless promised more aid and engagement with Pacific Island nations. Ms. Sherman's delegation is also visiting Samoa, Tonga, Australia, and New Zealand. At least her island hopping shouldn't rattle the Chinese as much as Nancy Pelosi's did. The Sandman Comes to Netflix From 1988 to 1996, Neil Gaiman, a prolific author, immersed readers in an intricately plotted supernatural universe. At its center was Dream, also known as Morpheus or the Sandman, among other names, who controls all dreams. Attempts to turn the Sandman into a film or television series floundered for decades. This weekend, Netflix released the first 10-episode season of its adaptation of the graphic novel. The result is magnificent. The comic's episodic structure makes it well-suited to television. Netflix's gargantuan investment of a reported $15 million per episode, exceeding even the estimated budget of The Crown, $13 million, ensures that it is an audiovisual extravaganza. Perhaps the money, like the weight, will have been worth it. 
Should the Sandman of 2022 find the same fervent fans as the original did, Netflix will have a wealth of material with which to make sequels and spin-offs. Weekend Profile Gustavo Petro, a former guerrilla and Colombia's next president. Latin America is known for its leftist revolutionaries, from Che Guevara to Hugo Chavez. Yet a leftist ruler was once unthinkable in Colombia. For 52 years until 2016, the government was at war with a Marxist guerrilla movement known as the FARC in the longest armed conflict in the Western Hemisphere. But on Sunday, Colombia will at last get a leftist leader of its own when Gustavo Petro assumes the presidency. As a 17-year-old, Mr. Petro joined the April 19th Movement, an urban guerrilla group known by its acronym M19. A low-level functionary, in 1985 he was imprisoned for allegedly storing weapons when the M19 ambushed the Supreme Court, its most notorious act. When the army arrived, about half the court's judges were killed in the ensuing crossfire, as well as nearly 100 other people. After the M-19 demobilized in 1990, Mr. Petro entered politics. He became famous as a congressman for exposing links between some politicians and right-wing paramilitary. Today, he still harbors some of his revolutionary spirit. He has groups and for calling out corruption. But he was less successful as mayor of Bogota from 2012 to 2015. There, he developed a reputation as a dictatorial boss and was briefly suspended after mismanaging the municipal restructuring of a private rubbish collection service. He promised to provide all unemployed Colombians, 11% of the workforce, with a state job and to make education free. He wants to prohibit new licenses for oil and gas exploration, though extractive industries make up around half of Colombia's exports. Yet much of Mr. Petro's youthful idealism has diminished. He picked José Antonio Ocampo, a moderate, as his finance minister to serve alongside several other centrist ministers. Mr. Ocampo has dismissed the idea of offering state jobs to the unemployed. Since the election in June, Mr. Petro has focused on building support among the established parties he once denounced, including meeting his arch-nemesis Alvaro Uribe, a powerful right-wing former president. Most of the country's big parties have promised to back him, which may give him the majority needed to pass reforms, including a tax bill that will be his first major test in government. The rebel has become the peacemaker. The winners of this week's quiz. Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners chosen at random from each continent were Asia, Sujon Lee, Seoul, South Korea. North America, Gail Rutherford, Colorado Springs, United States. Central and South America, Michael Bryant, Nova Friborgo, Brazil. Europe, Amiolo San Marti, San Carles de la Rapita, Spain. Africa, Paul Lee, Pretoria, South Africa. Oceania, Grant Rees, Queenstown, New Zealand. They all gave the correct answers of Mel Blanc, Logan's Run, Prince Rainier III, Fuji Photofilm, Earl of Snowden. The theme is mountains. Mont Blanc, Mount Logan, the highest in Canada, Mount Rainier, Mount Fuji, and Mount Snowden. And visit the Espresso app for our new weekend crossword, designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Andy Warhol. 
who was born on this day in 1928. In the future, everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.